1: all right mike thank you very much welcome
2: to overtime i'm scott Wagner. you just heard the bells we're just getting started from post nine here at the new york stock exchange boy do we have a busy hour ahead we have amd and snap earnings those in the next few moments as well as the march up to that fed decision now less than 24 hours away our reporters waiting for the results to cross we'll show you the stock moves as they happen amd as you know yet another check on the chips which are a real battleground right now off to a really good start and then there's snap perhaps giving an early read on Meta, at least when it comes to the slowing ad market. And Snap, perhaps, uh, well, we'll see what it does because the stock is up a lot in a short period of time. And that brings us to our talk of the tape today. These critical 48 hours ahead, the big tech earnings, tomorrow's Fed decision, news conference from Chair Jerome Powell. All of it is front and center. For what's at stake, we bring in Joe Terranova. He, of course, the chief market strategist of Virtus Investment Partners, welcome. Nice, but pop, nice pop into the close. So what's riding on the next 48 hours, Mr. Terranova? So the month of January, clearly the
3: revenge of high beta. That's how we could define it. If the Federal Reserve wants to respond to the easiest fiscal conditions that have existed for the market since February of last year, they are going to have to go beyond the attempt that they've had in the last month, which is try to utilize the communication tool to signal to markets that, oh, you're getting a little bit ahead of yourself. I think they have to go way beyond that, and I'm suspicious that they're going to do it. I don't think they're going to do it. I think they're going to fail in that endeavor. They're going to lose credibility by not being able to do that if they don't rein in some of the excessive speculation well, what you, that's going well, what, on. Right what now. do you
2: mean? So, are you, are you suggesting that Powell's going to be perhaps more hawkish tomorrow than, than people think because of? the the gains in some of the areas of the market that are are synonymous with froth?
3: So I, I think he has to deliver, and again, this is if the Federal Reserve intention is to walk back some of the easing in financial conditions. He has to deliver the Jackson Hole speech, but he's going to have to stand there for the entirety of the press conference and maintain that demeanor, allow for markets to understand that the Federal Reserve is
2: going to reach that 5% target. So you're expecting him to be hawkish? This no, I'm... Cut, I'm, I'm, I'm Jackson so Hole was hawkish. It was eight minutes of hawkish. I, so
3: Scott, what I'm telling you is what he has to do to reverse the easing in financial conditions that currently exist. I said I'm suspicious that he's going to do it. I don't think he's going to be able to do it. I don't think the Federal Reserve is going to be able to temper the animal spirits that are present right now in the month of okay, January.
2: So I think then they're going to fail. So I think then you have lost think, credibility. you think... As January goes, then so goes for the near term for the market because that's the January effect can be pretty powerful. We've had a good month. Do you think it has legs? We
3: we have had a good month. I think it's a bear market
2: rally. You still in high do. Beta. You still think it? You still in think high it's high
3: a- beta? I think it's a bear market rally. In other areas of the market that are reflected, as we said yesterday on halftime, with a little bit of a lower beta exposure, more quality more reliable earnings that are present. No, I think that in that instance, you could be invested and I think you'll see that you'll be okay
2: coming out on the other side of this monetary policy. So, I'm gonna ask you again, all right? Does this rally have legs or not? That's what I wanna know, and 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 honestly, and that's what everybody wants to know. We're off to a pretty good start for the year. Sentiment was really negative, okay? Sentiment has come around a bit. The internals in the market tell a much better story than they had in the past. Agreed. Is it all a head fake or not? Simple. The significant
3: outperformance of the NASDAQ relative to the S&P, I am incredibly suspicious of and No, I don't think that outperformance maintains itself. I think the S&P will be fine a rocky road through the course of 2023, the S&P ultimately will be fine and it will close the performance gap that currently exists between the NASDAQ and its index.
2: All right. So we're about five minutes away from snap earnings, at least in terms of what history suggests, recent history, of when this number and uh, everything else could start hitting the tape. So we're gonna be mindful of that, we're gonna keep our eye on that. You have just undergone a significant rebalance of your uh, ETF, the JOT, And I want to go through it a little bit because I think it gives people insight into how you're thinking about the current market conditions, the kinds of stocks that are going to do well and those maybe that might not, okay? You have 25 new buys, you have 25 sells, You say it's the second lowest turnover of the nine quarterly rebalances you've done since inception. Why is that the case? And as we're also showing on the screen here, you're selling Tesla and you're selling Microsoft, which is quite significant. Tesla very much emblematic, I think it's fair to say, of of what you were referencing a moment ago. The high beta run in some of these Nasdaq stocks like Tesla, which has gone from $100 to $170 in a few weeks. Um, So just take me through your thought process here and then we can get into the specifics.
3: So we're using two factors. We're using quality and we're using momentum. Momentum is very difficult to find in this market right now. That's why the turnover is the second lowest since inception at 25 buys and 25 sales. Last year, we averaged 35 and a half on the buys and sells. Momentum is not present in the market right now. So you're relying more on quality. It's also one of the reasons why I don't trust the high beta nature of the rally currently, and a lot of the NASDAQ stocks that are seeing this remarkable performance recovery offer of the decimation that they received in 2022 as far as Microsoft and Tesla.
2: Give me me Tesla first, okay? We're showing it on the screen here. You've had the stock in the the Joe T for two years. Okay, you initiated it on on january 29th of 21 and here Don't we say are the initiation price it's pretty ugly 264.51 264. Yep. i won't say it <laughs> okay you just did and you liquidated <laughs> it today okay? we did on the close take me through it
3: <laughs> so it is it is really about and and it's remarkable because you have a nearly 40 percent gain for tesla year to date but you can't overcome the loss of momentum in this equity name. It's been so dramatic. It's been so significant. It's really been the destruction of any technical formation. And what's interesting about Tesla is that the quality factors, the return on equity, the debt to equity, the the annualized sales growth, the things that we look at, the study of the balance sheet are pretty good. They're actually okay in this environment, but you just can't overcome that dramatic loss of momentum that's inflicted this stock, and it's one of the reasons why it moves to the sideline. The factor of momentum is completely
2: lost. Now, I want to get into Microsoft because, you know, in the bigger picture, I think it's probably more significant that that you removed it. And to refresh people's memories, you had picked Microsoft as one of your halftime stock summit picks not three weeks ago. Correct. Okay, when, when we did this. So now it's out of the JT, and tomorrow morning you're out of Microsoft personally as well. So this thing's out. Why? Well, I, th- I think it's very important for the people that invest in the
3: strategy, the quality momentum Joe T ETF, that they understand what they're investing is, what I really believe in and what I believe in is reflected in my personal investments. So I'm gonna eat my own cooking, so to speak, if the strategy is saying that it's time to take Microsoft and remove it from the portfolio for two factor reasons. Number one, the loss of momentum, similar to Tesla, but also quality. You're seeing that the revenue growth is decelerating. I will acknowledge that. It is decelerating. So you've got two factors here that are contributing to the reasoning why the rules have initiated the removal of of Microsoft from the strategy, and my personal holding is going to reflect that. Listen, they could come back in again. This is a quarterly rebalance. It's a quarterly reconstitution. Yep. Hopefully, I'm judged by the performance of this portfolio. It could come back in again at some point, but I'm not going to maintain a personal positioning when the ETF
2: is no longer holding it. All you. right. I guess my issue, if you want to call it an issue, I that, that have I have f- an issue, but w- you should. Well, I do have an issue. Okay. My issue is that you knew all of that when you made Microsoft your stock summit pick. Revenue growth has been slowing. It was pretty much telegraphed that that's the way it was going to continue. Momentum in the mega caps had already broken down. Correct. And when you made the pick that day, I questioned you on it thinking, how is this going to be a big generator of returns this year if it seemed to be missing the very keys that you look for when putting this in your ETF? You, ne-
3: you never tell a judge that they're flat-out wrong and you're not wrong, so I'll respectfully disagree. What I did not know at the beginning of the year would be the earnings that we got at the end of January from Microsoft, and, and Scott, candidly, the deceleration of those earnings was a significant contributor in terms of the quality factor
2: deteriorating in the way it did. So, Electronic Arts, I just want to uh, bring your attention to it and just jump away from Joe for just a second. Uh, Can we show that? There you go. It's it's down uh, 6% on its earnings, too. We we mentioned, of course, AMD and uh, Snap that we were waiting for. Uh, But Electronic Arts is another name brand that's out here in overtime, and the stock is is down. We'll um, we'll try and get you some information on that before we get out of here tonight and give you the uh, the exact reason, whether it's the guidance itself. Gaming, I think, as most most of you know by now, has, has obviously been slowing. Uh, from the pandemic levels. Steve Kovac is, is here with us now. Uh, what's the issue here,
4: Steve? What are we seeing? Hey, it's got another big name brand. It's uh, Star Wars, is the problem here. So there's a big Star Wars game supposed to come out from EA this current quarter. It's being pushed back to April instead of March, and that's hurting their outlook for this current quarter. Uh, so they're missing uh, revenue guidance here on the current quarter, it's uh, they're seeing up to $1.77 billion in revenue versus the more than $2 billion expected because of this big Star Wars game that's supposed to come out. On top of that, it sounds like they're canceling uh, some of their uh, mobile versions of Apex Legends. That's a really popular shooting game on consoles and PCs that they've been trying to push into mobile. And it sounds like some of those games are going to get the ax, too. So basically pushing some games out and canceling others, that's hurting the outlook the current quarter sending shares down more than five percent, Scott.
2: Okay. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, Steve Kovac, thank you. I'm sure we'll hear uh, from you as this hour progresses. And you'll you'll forgive me for looking at my machine here because I'm I'm looking at Snap, uh, which is out as well. Julia Borsten, can you talk to me about what's happening here? I see a headline that says this company is warning of a sales drop uh, because of its slowing revenue growth that you know, they had already warned us about, you know, this company so well.
5: Yeah, that's right. We see Snap shares down now over 12 percent. That's despite the fact that Snap beat expectations with adjusted earnings of 14 cents per share. That's three cents better than estimates. Revenues of one point three billion dollars pretty much in line, as were daily active users of three hundred and seventy five million. That's the addition of 12 million DAUs in the quarter. But here's the big headline. And here's the reason why the stock is down 13 percent after hours. The company says it won't give first quarter guidance due to uncertainty, but they do say that quarter-to-date revenue is down 7%, and they also give some informal guidance that indicates a revenue decline of between 2% and 10% in the first quarter. That compares to analysts' expectations of revenue growth of about 1.5% in the first quarter. So now we see shares down about 14%. Now, CEO Evan Spiegel, who announced a big restructuring of the company back in August, he writes in a letter to shareholders that they've taken action to refocus their investments on strategic priorities, including growing the community, deepening engagement with their products, and accelerating and diversifying revenue growth. They did announce that now total time spent watching their spotlight content has doubled year over year, but we do see shares down about 13.5% now, Scott, and it does seem to be on that warning about concerns about revenue growth in the first quarter. Back over to you.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that, Julie. You come back on uh, the minute you have more information, please. Uh, That's Julie Borson. Could we just throw up shares of Meta, guys, to see what the read-through is? I mean, if Snap is projecting... Uh, such a disappointing range of of revenue. I can only imagine what Meta may be doing. And there you go, it's down 2%. There's obviously a lot of concern about what's going on uh, within the advertising market. Meta does report tomorrow here in overtime and we'll get a better look at at all of that, but you can see the sympathy decline here down by better than 2%. Joe Terranova still with me and we're going to bring in the panel in just a minute, but That seems to be the right way to read this, is this is an indictment of the quality of the advertising market right now, at least digital ads. Not just right now, but looking
3: forward into the future. And I think that's the real challenge and the concern, not only for Snap and for, for Meta. I think Meta has a little bit more of a diversified model. They have resiliency to be able to absorb some of the ad slowdown. I don't think all of it. So don't get high expectations for Meta, but a lot of uh, significant revenue ad exposure here, well above 95% for Snap.
2: Obviously, this is not a good outlook. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's introduce you to our panel today. It's Greg Branch of Veritas. Financial Group, Aya Yoshioka of Wealth Enhancement Group, but uh, Greg's a CNBC contributor. It's good to have uh, all of you with us. Uh, Aya, you first. Uh, your read here to what we're seeing from, from Snap down 14% as we all look ahead, really, to tomorrow here in overtime with Meta.
6: Sure. Um, clearly, the ad market is, is slowing, as you had mentioned. Um, and I think the competitive landscape for social media is, has just increased over time. We've seen the impact that TikTok has made across the social media landscape, and it makes it difficult for companies like Snap to continue to grow revenues at the pace that they had been in the past.
2: You know, Greg, in many ways, this stock being Snap, Uh, is so emblematic of of the market that we've all experienced over the last 30, 31 days. The stocks that were absolutely obliterated last year, and this was certainly one of them, is up 28% this month before this decline that we're witnessing here. I'm wondering if you can sort of speak to that and why, gosh, you gotta be careful when you look at these gains and think about what they mean, especially in light of what we're witnessing in Snap.
7: Yeah, so I agree with Joe here. Uh, at the end of the day, I think that sometimes uh, us participants have a hard time separating what we want from what we actually think in a data driven way will happen. And so for me, Scott, it's like deja vu. It's like I'm sitting here with you again, January 2022. I have the exact same concerns. There's three of them that the Fed is going to be more aggressive than anyone is discounting right now. These market levels are fine if we're going back. To a Fed funds rate environment of one percent, uh, Talib said that today, and I agreed with him. Um, but we're not; we're likely not. And so, uh, you know, right now the market's discounting uh, two more raises and cuts in the back half, and I think that that's unlikely. Therefore, estimates are too high. Uh, you know, SNAP is a great example of that. Although SNAP itself has both secular and cyclical problems, right? The secular problem, as I uh, intimated, was the competition. You know, there's simply more mature platforms out there that's going to derive better pricing and more of the ad dollars. Uh, The cyclical is that the the digital ad market will come back. I don't know if this is a great read-through over to Facebook because at the end of the day, like Joe said, they're exposed to uh, sectors that have pulled back a little bit less on the ad budget, but they also just have less uh, secular pressures uh, than Snap does and lastly you know, is the you know, consumer, well, you know, worry well, about the thought. consumer. Hold,
2: hold your thought, hold, hold your thought because you're mm-hmm. on a roll there, and sure. I just want you to catch your breath for a second because I want to show everybody AMD. Uh, we'll come back to Gregory in a, in a second uh, for more of his thought, but they have reported as well in, in which we're going through that. Uh, you can see the stocks up three and a half percent. i got a beat on the top and the bottom. Um, but again, you're going you're to hear from our reporter Christina Partsenevolos in, in just a minute here. I guess there was some concern about this print after what we got Joe, from uh, Intel most recently, um, they've taken share as we know, from Intel. PC slowdown's hurting everybody. I think the real question here was, as we witnessed the continued slowdown in data center with Intel, whether AMD was gonna still, uh, you know, have some of those issues too. Analysts have downgraded, some of them more recently going into the print. What's your read here for a stock that you sold? I believe it was last fall. I sold this uh, October 31st. Went into
3: Texas Instruments instead Uh, from a performance standpoint. That wasn't the right move. From a beta perspective, I believe it was the right move. As far as AMD, this is a good enough report. And this is what should have been expected from AMD. AMD is one of the semi companies that from a earnings and revenue 2023 outlook there's profitability expected single digits low single digits 3 and 6% overall the industry you're looking at both earnings and sales growth that it's going to decline so yeah. they are taking market share from Intel, clearly. And I think there's been resiliency in CPU chips that's being reflected in this earnings report. Margins are okay
2: here. Maybe they're, you know, weathering the storm, so to speak, a little bit better than uh, Intel. Christina Partsinevelos, our chip expert, uh, joins us now. You, you've tried to get us prepared for this over the last couple of days, uh, Christina. What do you make of this?
8: Well, the, you did mention there's a top and bottom line beats. We know that. We know also Q1 guidance came in uh, a little bit lower than anticipated at $5.3 billion. So that was the big question mark. What were they going to guide for, given all the other chip makers? Now, I'm going through the quarterly financial segment summary. And to, just to Joe's point, he brought up data center segments because that was a big question mark. What we're seeing is that for the quarter it was $1.7 billion, up 40 2% year-over-year, primarily driven by strong sales of their server processors. So that's good news. But then when you look at the other segments, like client segment revenue, which is, encompasses about 20% of AMD's total revenue, that was down 51% year-over-year due to reduced processor shipments resulting from a weak PC market. Then gaming, we know Steve just talked about that with EA. The gaming segment was down 7% year-over-year, driven by lower gaming graphics sales. And then we have the embedded segment also also a huge portion of their revenue. That was actually up quite a bit to $1.4 over over 1,000% higher year over year. So those are the four important, uh, sorry, I'm hitting my mic, but those are the four important segments that we're seeing data center strong, but weakness coming from the client segment revenue, as well as gaming.
2: You know, but the, the weakness, I, I think you would agree, is is coming from areas that we expected to be weaker. Exactly. Right? And the, the data center is holding up Maybe better than some expected. And some of the commentary, at least of which I read coming into this report, was that they've been better able to withstand the data center slowdown than, say, in Intel, because those who were suggesting that say they have just better products. And you alluded to the sales of those products within the data center group.
8: So to, to a few points. One, the you can argue maybe that they don't necessarily have better products because Intel's going to be launching a new product very soon. So that's possibly part of the reason why Intel has been dropping the prices of many of their products. But yes, uh, it, there's obviously some customers on both sides. But Intel warned about this. Intel warned about losing market share, not only to AMD, but to, um, to Arm as well. And so we're starting to see it. The, the concerning point that maybe it is not in this report, but might be on the call, is the pricing that of some of these products. Have the prices dropped just to maintain this competition between both companies at a time when sales are a little bit weaker? Hopefully that won't be the case. But uh, overall, it seems like a pretty good report with uh, weaker Q1 revenue guidance.
2: I'm glad you bring that point up. It's a good one too, the, the pricing, because I know that Stacy Rascon, for example, who's going to join us, you know, momentarily as well to give his first read. Has been worried about uh, pricing drops there too. So, Christina, thank you. We'll talk to you uh, again soon, and and uh, don't miss, by the way, tomorrow. Lisa Sue, Dr. Lisa Sue, on Squawk on the Street in the morning is going to talk to these results and you know what her outlook is is going ahead. I uh, let me come back to you. You know. I wonder how you feel about this move in in the market within the chip space. You know, some have suggested, well, it's confirming the overall move in the market. Others say it's it's just a head fake and a snapback like we've seen in so many other areas of NASDAQ related stocks. Sure, Scott, you
6: know thanks uh, similar to what Joe was talking about before in terms of the the high beta trade working so far in January, the chips have definitely participated with that, at least most of them have. As you mentioned, Intel continues to have its woes, uh, you know, losing market share to AMD and others. And, you know, you could see it, uh, AMD, you know, when they did the Xilinx acquisition, they gained a good product um, platform so that They're able to customize workloads better for their customers. And so, um, you know, I think they will continue to gain share, and that's going to allow them to sort of continue to grow revenues to a certain extent relative to others, even as the economy slows down. And so, you know, when we look at quality and, and sales momentum, at least, we think about those areas that, you know, on a relative basis can outperform others within the space. And so, you know, I think it's still from a valuation perspective, a little lofty, but, you know, I think you pay for sort of quality and and leaders within uh, certain areas of the market.
2: Greg, I interrupted you before, and I apologize for that, but I wanted to get that news out as soon as we had it. I'll let you have the last word as a result. Um, And I know you were wondering whether, you know, this was company specific to Intel, the issues there, or, or if it was a broader thing. What does AMD's print here tell you about that?
7: Right, I think we have an answer to that, right? I mean, at the end of the day, not only did Intel say that they were going to be losing share, but they intimated that the addressable market was going to shrink aggressively. And up 42%, AMD showed us that that's not the case. So I think this is a positive surprise. We expected, you know, client being down 51% is no surprise. We knew that there was a pricing war going on there with client parts on the shelf and that they were uh, aggressively discounting there, uh, led by Intel. Uh, but that, that server segment, that data center being up 42%, I think is a positive surprise. And I'll have to resharpen my pencils about my outlook for the cloud uh, for the rest of the year based on that.
2: Yeah, maybe you're expecting too many thunderstorms. We'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. Greg, I appreciate it. Aya, you as well. We'll see both of you soon. Joe's going to be back with us before the end of overtime tonight. Let's get to our Twitter question of the day. We want to know what will be the best performing social media stock over the next 12 months. I mean, if you say snap, you got your work cut out for you, right? Meta reports tomorrow. Is that the one? Pinterest maybe. Head to at CNBC overtime. Place your vote. We'll share the results a little bit later on in the hour. We're just getting started, though. Here in overtime. Up next, I said, top chip analyst Stacy Rascon will join us. He will next, in fact, get his instant reaction to AMD's report. He just downgraded that stock a couple weeks back. So where does he stand now? And later, what Snap's report means for Meta? That company reports results tomorrow. As we said in overtime, getting hammered right now. Meta's down as well. We got the setup next. All right, we're back in overtime. Take another look at AMD. Just reporting results moments ago. Stock is higher. The company's conference call kicking off in less than one hour for more reaction to the quarter. Let's bring in Stacy Rascon of Bernstein Research. Uh, welcome back. You know, we last spoke, of course, when Intel left you speechless. Yes. How did this leave you
4: um, not speechless. Um, it's uh, compared to Intel. It's fantastic. Right. I mean, like they're the is the, uh, the, the quarter was OK. A slight beat. Uh, most of the beat, by the way, was on gaming Data center kind of in line-ish. Client was weak. Uh, the 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 beat was gaming. Um, the guide's a little soft, but compared to Intel's guide, it, it's it's not that bad. And there's similar markets. They're guiding you know all mm-hmm. a couple of hundred million below the street, um, down ten percent. Intel was a lot worse. Um, you know the, the question that I that I've had has been on margins. I think you mentioned we downgraded the stock a, a week or two back. Um, yeah. Revenue guide's kind of in line with where we are. Um, I, I've been wondering about margins. The margin guide is a little soft. It's 50% gross margin. It's down close to 300 basis points year over year on mix. It should be considerably better because data center and enterprise should be and, and embedded should be growing. Client and gaming year over year down. So I think that's probably the one of the bigger questions to probe on the call. But like I said, mm-hmm. compared mm-hmm. to to Intel, I'm, you know, this this is this is much better than 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 the situation that Intel found themselves in.
2: What is it? What does that gross margin guide tell you about? you know, price cuts, which I think you and, and others have been worried about, discounting. Uh, yeah. Obviously, does this, you know, allay some of those fears? I mean, yes, it was down, you said 300 basis points, but I suppose it could have been a lot worse.
4: Well, I, I don't know. Like I said, it, it's 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 fairly soft. So it, it's down, you know, sequentially year over year when mix ought to get better. Um, and so it does bring into question, like, what is going on with, with pricing and, and discounting and everything else? And I think more importantly, what you'd really want to know is what does it look like through the year? And they, they have, as far as I've seen so far, they haven't guided the full year yet. They have a brand new CFO, so I don't know if they're gonna guide the full year or not. But that becomes the question as you progress through the year, um, how do those margins progress? And does this 50% in, in Q1 represent, you know, a, a peak or a trough? So
2: So what 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 does this tell you, if if anything, in the broader picture about, you know, investors owning these stocks or continuing to, let's say, buy into the hype of of this comeback that we've witnessed since the start of the year.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of the semiconductor stocks that have been cutting have have been working. And that's not an unusual way that the stocks tend to trade. Like, the, the, the stocks tend to move before the earnings do. Um, if you look broadly for the sector, the earnings actually peaked in June. And since then, for the entire sector, they're down about 30%. Um, and so the general model of investing in semis is you want to sort of buy, you know, just before the earnings trough. The rule of thumb, if you could time it perfectly as you buy right before the last cut. And so I think that's the bet that people are making is the cuts are done. I I think it's January, so it's still a little early to know. But that seems to be the the bet people are making, that like soft landing kind of bet. And by and large, the companies that have been cutting numbers have been getting bought.
2: Gotcha. Stacey, I appreciate it. As always, it's good to get your first take here. That's Stacey Raskon joining us. Time for a CNBC News update now with Bertha Coombs. Hi, Bertha.
9: Hi, Scott. Here's what's happening at this hour. French officials say more than one and a quarter million people took part in massive nationwide protests against pension reform. A powerful union claims the crowds were more than twice as large. France's prime minister today acknowledged doubts about the reform plan, potentially stepping back from her comments that raising the retirement age was no longer negotiable. Two more demonstrations, are planned for next week. Vice President Kamala Harris will attend the funeral of Tyree Nichols, who died three days after being beaten by Memphis police officers. Harris was invited by Nichols' mother and stepfather. The Nichols family and their lawyer Ben Crump are expected to speak on Tyree's case Later today. And just in time for the Super Bowl, legal in person sports betting has begun in Massachusetts. The first wages wagers are being taken at three casinos. Massachusetts joins more than 30 other states that allow sports betting. But I don't know, Scott, without Brady or the Pats, it's going to be wicked weird for people in the Bay State.
2: I don't know. The Bruins are like on fire. So we're going to bet yeah, on the but Bruins. But we're talking or something. the Super Bowl here. Yeah, you know, it's all right. They'll figure it out. <laughs> all right, let's get another look, Bertha. Thank you. Let's get another look at SnapShare sinking in the OT. Uh, take a look here uh, because they're down uh, really fairly, fairly substantially, I, I, I tried to say, down about 14%. Coming up, Big Technologies, Alex Kantrowicz. He joins us with his first take on the quarter, what it means for Meta as they gear up to report tomorrow. Overtime's right back.
0: The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade.
2: Take a look at SnapShares getting hit really hard this evening in overtime. Julia Borston has more from that report. Julia, what, uh, what else can you tell us here?
5: Well, we have some more details on that revenue warning that Snap gave. Now, the company said that in its fourth quarter, it's saw weaker demand from its brand advertising business. Those are the same kinds of ads you would see on TV. That part of the business declined 11 percent, but its direct response ad business performed relatively well, up four percent year over year. That indicates Meta could see a similar divergence between the two parts of its ad business. Now, as part of this revenue warning for the first quarter, Snap announced that it expects to introduce new improvements to its direct response ad platform, which it says should drive results over time, but may cause a near-term disruption to those first quarter ad results. You see shares now down over 13%. Scott?
2: Okay, Julia, thank you. Uh, Julia Borston. Now let's bring in big technology founder and CNBC contributor, Alex Kantiewicz. So uh, welcome. It's good to see you again. Uh, your immediate response, which was emailed to me, says guidance terrible, hasn't shown any progress on building an ad platform that works for advertisers and investors ought to be asking what's going on.
1: Uh, I mean, really does leave you with a lot of questions. Exactly. And like, this was a quarter that you would say, we're going to see some progress, right? They had dropped 25% the last two prints, and maybe this one they would say, okay, we've decided to focus. We've cut staff. We're going to build a performance ad system that's working. Now, meanwhile, they've had a slight tick up, but not a very meaningful tick up, and their top brand salespeople are out the door going to Netflix. So... You know, when Evan Spiegel talks about focus and building community, that's well and good, but the focus really needs for the business. It has to be on the performance ad system, and I don't think it's there yet. You know, it's, the 52-week low on
2: the stock is just north of seven bucks. I mean, it's, it's amazing. What's more amazing is that the stock had moved so much into this number. What does that tell you about where we are right now in the way that some of these types of stocks have, have been bid up, and then you come and get hit over the head with a hammer when you, you know, it's like a sledgehammer crushes you when you think, man, I thought this was legit, and then now the stock's getting destroyed.
1: Uh, it's a great point. And I would say that context is the key here, right? Because you see what the stocks are doing year to date, and you're like, oh, those numbers are great. So Snap, for instance, up 30% year to date, but down 65% over the last year. Right. I mean, that's tough to do. It's tough to be up 30 percent and down 65 percent over the past year. And you have similar trends with Meta and Alphabet where you're seeing like, you know, down over like, for instance, Meta down 50 percent on the year um, or thereabouts, but up like 20 percent year to date. So I think that the gains that they're making are really on a low base. And yeah, they're at risk right now. Like, for instance, snaps gains are at risk. But you're talking about the difference between like 11 and 10 dollars, whereas before you were talking about much higher numbers. Should I be worried about Meta? You know, actually the one the the fact that the um, Snap did guide up a little or did show a little bit better results on the direct response. I don't want to read too much into it, but to me, you know, I was going to say if there's a if there's a miss here I wouldn't be too worried about Meta. If there's a positive here, I'll say, okay, There's there could be a good sign for Meta because ultimately I think Meta has a better audience. It's not just young people and has better direct response tooling. So the fact that there was a little bit of a tick up for Snap, you know, for Meta, that could be a good thing. But for me, when I think about Meta, I'm really expecting a better Q1. Um, so I would be shocked if Meta guided the way that Snap did today. Um, but again, the fourth quarter was kind of rough all all around when it came to the ad marketplace. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think necessarily Meta is going to do better than this. But for people that say, OK, Snap missed or Snap's doing poorly, Meta's going to do poorly. It's a bit of a stretch for me. All right. We'll find out in 24 hours right here in overtime. Alex, thank you. Alex
2: Kancherwitz, big technology. A CNBC contributor coming up, trading the China reopening. One halftime committee member buying more of one key stock, betting that China is going to boost its bottom line. We'll debate that move in today's halftime overtime next. All right, in today's halftime overtime, getting constructive. Caterpillar, biggest drag on the Dow today after earnings this morning, but Tower Stephanie Link just bought more. Listen.
5: I looked at the quarter, and I studied it, and then it was much better than the headline. I think China is in the process of reopening, and I think that's going to be your tailwind second half of this year into next year. So I think U.S. will stay strong. I think their digital effort will stay strong in all of the various diff- different divisions around the world. And so you have margin upside. From that, from pricing power, that's going to offset inflation.
2: All right, that's Stephanie Link. Well, Joe T. owns Caterpillar, competitor Deer. Back with us is Joe Terranova. What are you thinking about what Steph did with Caterpillar as it relates to how you have Deer? September
3: 27th was a very big day for Stephanie and for investors in Caterpillar. That was
2: the day that the value of
3: the U.S. dollar peaked. Subsequent to that, that was the low for Caterpillar. It's really been the macro that's been the catalyst for Caterpillar. Now, manufacturing is in a recession right now. Is Caterpillar going to be able to endure that environment? I think they will, they have resiliency, but I think Deer is a better play. Why? I think Deer has a, a secular thesis about it, which is the move for farm equipment towards autonomous. And it's real, it's something that when you're looking at the age of farm equipment, it is particularly old. It needs to be refurbished, and the way it's going to be refurbished is through autonomous tractors. Those are tractors that are gonna be far more efficient for farmers, and I think that's a
2: cycle that's not cyclical in its nature, but secular. What is that gonna mean for farmer Jim? He's no longer gonna to have to drive the tractor? He's I gonna hit the button and I, it's gonna I, go? I can't,
3: see,
2: I can't see Jimmy doing that. All I right. see Jimmy still on the tractor, what, but. What about industrials in, in general? Because there's a lot of hype around that space. Is it is that legit? I
3: think a lot of the hype resides itself in the fact that it's value oriented, right? Strong balance sheets. And it's got the exposure to multinational businesses. And as long as you see the U.S. dollar behave, uh, behave in a good capacity, right?
2: Continue this downslide. I think industrials can do okay, not great. Okay. leave us with a last thought before I let you run for the day. On, on what lies ahead now tomorrow. You've had a chance to see the results from Snap and AMD. we got a Fed decision tomorrow, the news conference from Powell. By the way, we have Jeffrey Gundlach uh, reacting first to that once again here in overtime.
3: I, I think, you know, look, the conversation in 2022, because it was such a, a, a just universal decline in stocks and bonds, was should we invest? I think it's now how do you invest? And I think Snap's earnings are not validating the move we're seeing early in the year in the non-profitable businesses. The earnings resiliency from AMD, that's validating that you want to invest in quality businesses with strong balance
2: sheets. Right, thanks for sticking around. Let's go turn up. We'll see you tomorrow at halftime, by the way. You're going to get into even more detail about the rebalance. Yes. Because uh, there are other stocks that you you, you need to talk Looking about. Looking forward to it. All right, look, we are as well. All right, coming up, we're tracking some big stock moves in overtime tonight. Christina Parts is back with that. Christina.
8: Well, shares of match not finding love after a disappointing quarter. I had to, guys. And we've got more chip news this time from Western Digital. We'll the, more just after this break.
2: Another check on shares of Snap and AMD. Uh, there you see, Snap. Wow, that's the big story. Down 14% on its earnings and certainly its revenue guidance. There's AMD up two and three quarters percent. We're tracking some other big movers in the overtime, and of course, Christina Parts is doing that once again for us this evening. Christina.
8: Let's start with Match group right now, the parent company of dating apps like Tinder and Hinge. The stock under some serious pressure right now, maybe investors are ghosting it, after missing analyst estimates for both profit and revenue. Revenue was, in fact, down 2% year over year, but there was a bright spot. Hinge, word on the street, it's the favorite out of a lot of people right now. Uh, revenue for the app was up 44% year over year, and the company outlined details for Hinge's new premium tier. Another major decliner right now is chip name Western Digital. That's despite revenues topping estimates, the company posted a $0.42 adjusted loss. Guidance also came in a little bit light of what the street was expecting, and that's why shares are down over 6% right now. The CEO uh, saying the company is continuing to reset its business due to the post-pandemic economic environment. So again, Western Digital shares down over 6%. Lastly, shares of Stryker on the move right now up about, let's see, 3.5%, over 3.5%. This is a medical equipment tech firm and the posted revenue and earnings beat along with a higher than expected full year revenue guidance. The company attributes the success to improve supply chains and execution. Scott.
2: All right, Christina, thank you. Still ahead, Santoli's last word, the big setup into tomorrow's Fed decision. And do not miss Kathy Wood, ARK's Kathy Wood on Squawk this morning. She's on pace, I think, for one of her best months ever. She's up 28 percent is ARK. Overtime's right back. All right. To the results of our Twitter question, we asked, what is going to be the best performing social stock over the next 12 months? The majority of you saying meta. What's interesting is that 13 percent say snap even after tonight and that stock drop. Santoli's next. All right. Mike Santoli here with his last word. All right. It's all on tomorrow. Yes. Uh, you know, it's such a
10: habit the market has of getting up to this point of uh, maximizing disagreement at the moment you're getting the catalyst. Uh, 4070 was the high uh, on Friday. We kind of got ahead of it on the SP. Also, still below the early December high, which is fascinating. Everything that's happened this year so far in the market has been within December's range. Mm-hmm. So, you see home builder stocks hitting 12 month highs. Yeah. It's, it's all of it is suggesting not so much, I, I don't think that they're. Uh, kind of calling out the Fed, but certainly questioning whether there is still as much urgency among uh, Fed officials to promise more pain or to believe that to do the job uh, on inflation, you have to guarantee much more unemployment. I think all those things uh, are subject to
2: a lot of disagreement. I think maybe we'll settle some of the debates. What about the activity in the market leading into this meeting that, you know, you've spoken about it and we've spoken about it every day, the kinds of stocks that are doing well yeah. right now this perceived froth is back narrative yeah does that impact what happens I don't think it's at a point
10: where the where the the Fed has to take specific notice of it because it is all it is definitely an echo effect it's not actually you know uh, kind of using up all the oxygen in the market the way it was let's say 2 years ago in January of 2021 I did see today that this month assets under management have exploded in the ultra-short QQQ ETF. In other words, yes, you have a lot of the junky, beaten-down stuff that's gotten new life this year, but it's all kind of an aftershock. To me, it's not where the the real game is. The real game is, you know, GM up 8% because all of a sudden the consumers are buying cars, that's not dead. And yet, the stock is still below where it was in December. So you have all this give-and-take in there of, we've gotten a reprieve, we
2: haven't gotten the pardon. You've made the point, I think I've heard you say as well, that you know no matter when the the next uh, bull market cycle started yeah. or the next big burst those were the stocks that were going to lead anyway, exactly. or at least do really well.
10: That's 100% right. So you have a different frame uh, for whether you assume it's a bear market rally, in which case, up, oh, this is a warning sign. People are getting overexcited again, and that's not good. Or you look at some of the sentiment indicators and some of the hedge fund equity exposure numbers that are saying, OK, we're, we're reawakening the animal spirits. But there's no chance at which the actual launch of a new bull market is not going to be accompanied by people getting more bullish as it goes up mm-hmm. and by people grabbing for some of the fastest-moving, most aggressive stocks.
2: What's the the real risk tomorrow is that, that Powell is a little more hawkish than the, the markets are? I, will it matter? I mean, don't we expect—he's yeah. going to be hawkish, isn't he? I think he's going to be net hawkish, meaning he's going to say the job isn't done. Yes, the job isn't done. Um, we're still going to be data-dependent. Yes.
10: But if he simply leans on the December consensus outlook and says, this is where we think rates have to get to, we're on the record with that, as opposed to kind of upping the ante a little bit on that and saying, look, you people seem to think this is possible, uh, that we get through this with unemployment, you know, staying below 4%. We don't think that's possible. Mm. If they really stick to that kind of trade-off math between jobs in the economy and where inflation has to settle, then maybe you have a little bit of a challenge, plus any excuse or none at all yeah. uh, could be perfectly sufficient to create a little bit of a pullback
2: in a market that just jumps 6%. And I think, I think I remember like 17 of 19 Fed... You know, members last time were at five percent or above. That's now right. we'll see if it's nineteen or nineteen or where we are. So well, now- we don't
10: get we don't get the we don't get the outlook this time. So uh-huh. that's why he could just hide behind December. Oh
2: okay. Yeah. All right. We'll see that. Yeah. All right. Fast Money is now Gundlock. By the way, joins us tomorrow.
8: Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real
5: world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career, so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at
3: capella.edu.